Well, how's everyone doing? Having a good week? Yeah? Thank you so much for coming. Um, I hope you are all... Have any of you been on that ride out there? To a couple of you? Three quid's pretty good, actually, isn't it? I haven't, haven't been in on it. I'm not sure I'm going to. Hope you're all well washed. You've been showering. Going in those tiny showers. They are, they're just... The button is just the right height for you to, like, lean over and put your sock on and then soak yourself again. And there's a guy in our youth that got himself completely dressed and dry and then went to put his shoe on and then it just soaked him again. Anyone had that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks again for coming. And uh, I'll just let you know a little bit about myself. But just before I do that, uh, hopefully you know one or two people around you. If you don't, then uh, you could be a little bit brave here. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and tell them what's been your favourite point of the week outside of meetings? Your favourite thing of the week outside of meetings? Okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to give you much time because we could go on for ages. Okay, I will ask you another question though. What's been your favourite talk? Tell the person next to you, what's been your favourite talk you've heard? Okay, right. Get you a bit warmed up. I will ask you a few more questions a bit later on. um, But let's listen now. I just I didn't introduce myself. My name's Tim. Uh, my brother Joel actually leads this event, and my dad uh, was is a pastor and uh, has been since I've been alive. And I, I guess that's most of your your guys' experience in here, or at least most of you have a, a dad who's a pastor now, or parents who are in leadership, and that's why we're here. I just really hope that. This afternoon can be a blessing to you, it can be of an encouragement to you, that you can find some practical help and advice. We're going to have a time at the end for Q&A. I've got some fantastic uh, people here that we're going to serve us as a panel, so you can ask your own questions about your own experiences. And uh, we're going to really try and serve you, and we'll offer you uh, prayer at the end if you feel, feel like something's come up in the service uh, in, the, in this time that you think it would... I'd, I'd love prayer for that. That's been something I've struggled with, Then we'd really love to serve you We've got some ministry team in here. I'm sure we'd be happy to pray for you ourselves as well. So my name's Tim. And as I said, I grew up with my dad being a church leader. And that's all I knew. I'm the youngest of five siblings. Uh, so there's seven of us in the household. I loved it. I loved being in a busy house. I loved being in a church family. And uh, we had the sort of household that we, we woke up each morning and almost every morning uh, as, as a child, I would wake up and hear my dad praying and singing in the morning. That was something of an experience that I had. We would read the Bible over breakfast time. And if you grow up with that, Bible reading at breakfast time. We're going through a, a church book uh, of, of some source at breakfast time. We would uh, have people staying with us from other towns and other countries. You guys get that sometimes where you just know there's people in and out of our house all the time. Uh, my parents hosting meetings in the evenings. You ever had that when you were younger, when you'd be going to bed and there'd be meetings going on downstairs, you'd hear singing. Me and my brother sometimes would be the coat collectors and the people would come to the door and we would take, can we take your coat? And then we'd run into another room, put it on the, put it on the, the sofa or in the bed upstairs and we'd go and collect it. And we also like this little game. You know when you're inside and it's dark outside, but the lights are on inside, you can't see through the windows... So me and my brother would go into the garden and like dance around the garden while my parents were having meetings in the lounge because we knew they couldn't see us, but we could see them. So sometimes we did that. And uh, yeah, there was always Christian music playing in the car. There's always Christian music playing in the kitchen. I loved it. I loved the busyness. We never missed a Sunday service. 
I loved, uh, I understood that the church was something we were giving our lives to as a family. We were living for the church, that God's church was important to him. Another thing was that I found that I was often quite lonely. I don't know if that has any of your experience, that, that uh, I had some great male friends uh, as, I, uh, as I was growing up. But around your age, many of you, mid-teens, early teens, when they got the choice from their parents, to, if they wanted to come to church, they could. If they didn't want to, they didn't have to. Almost all of them decided, no, they didn't want to come to church anymore. And I didn't want to choose that. So I found myself quite lonely. I had, had some great friends, but where they turned their back on God. I didn't want to do that. I understood that following Jesus means giving everything to him, but often I didn't want to do that either. So I would rebel quite often. I'm sure many of us have been through that. And I, I, would, I would run in pride in the opposite direction. But those decisions were never positive. They were always painful. And actually, even now, I'm 37, and uh, decisions I made sort of over 20 years ago, I still have to remind myself that I'm forgiven from those decisions, that that was dealt with at the cross, that the shame and of those things was removed at the cross. And that's still something I, I, I have to work with now, years and years later, because of the rebellious decisions I, was, I had to make. I have, I, I'll share with you, I was a horrible teenager. I was a really nasty little piece of work, because I, I was so insecure. And it may be that, that a lot of that would come through my position in my family and just what we're going to talk about a little bit today, of people thinking they know you, but they don't really know you, all that sort of stuff. And I was really insecure, and so I would compromise my relationship with God all the time if it meant I might get a bit of affection from someone, or a bit of love from someone, or or a uh, a bit of value from somewhere. I would completely compromise my biblical values. And I found that that was a really horrible thing to go through and again like I say I'm still having to stand in the goodness of the cross now to know that stuff was dealt with but being in a Christian household as I'm sure you know it doesn't guarantee holiness in any way it doesn't guarantee uh, you're going to make the best decisions being the child of a church leader is an interesting thing in no way do I want this to become a sort of let's look at ourselves seminar and we just think about our own experience and we get all pity party and get bitter together. That's not the thing at all. Actually, I'm sure that loads of you here are much more aware of the blessing it is to be in a, in a, in a leader's household than of some of the pains. And that is fantastic. But I hope that we can at least serve you in a way that you feel, oh, I can relate to some of the other people in here. I can relate to some of these people next to me in different ways that I can't really relate to some others around me. The Bible's quite clear that there's no temptation that's not common. And we can sometimes, as uh, church leaders' kids, think, other people don't get it. I- I'm just so... Uh, it, my life is so difficult. No one else understands. But the Bible doesn't say that, actually. It says that there's no t- temptation that's not common to man. It's just that the way those temptations express themselves could be similar for us guys in here because the way we have to go through things, the root of those things will still be things like pride and selfishness and insecurity. But the way they come out might be similar for us. So I hope that in those ways we can serve each other today as we, as we uh, empathize and trying to get to, to know each other a little bit today. As I said, there'll be time for some questions at the end and we'd love to, to pray for you. I found some quotes from pastor's kids I thought I'd read because I found them insightful. And again, it might be an opportunity for you to say, yeah, that rings true for me. So I'm going to read a few of these quotes out. 
I was given an incredibly gentle and kind and loving childhood that was filled with scripture, love of the church and treasuring of the gospel. All of those were daily realities in my home, not just Sunday routines. I hope that many of you can say, yeah, that's true of me as well. Here's another one. I heard constantly, you're a preacher's kid. Preacher's kids shouldn't do that. Preacher's kids shouldn't say that. And I hated it. I didn't so much hate being held to a standard of behaving well, but my standard was always much, much higher than anyone else's just because my father was a pastor. I wonder if any of you can relate to that one. What about this? I think the greatest challenge of being a pastor's kid is developing a personal relationship with God. By this, I mean it can be easy to assume that the faith of your parents will cover your life and we can just ride on their coattails. Another one says this, Early on in my life, I was viewed as the good kid by so many outside of our family that pride and self-reliance were watered and nurtured in my heart. Another one says this, I think that people just assume that since I was always behaving well, and I had the right answer, I was doing okay. Perhaps you can relate to that. There's a few more. Where is there a safe place to go with my struggles? Who can I talk to? Not even the pastor. Perhaps you felt that. Another one says this, being a pastor's kid puts a kind of spotlight on the family, and subsequently the children, and that can cause difficulties. Have you felt that kind of spotlight? On your family, that spotlight on your life because of who your parents are. This one says this, The path of least resistance for me was to follow the rules. I was, however, legalistic, self-righteous, pharisaical and hypocritical. I thought I was somehow better and more spiritual than other kids at school and at church who did not seem to care so much about doing right. You find that temptation sometimes? And the last one here, I struggled with seeing a pattern of behavior in the home and hearing something different being preached on Sundays. That can be a real confusing thing for us as well. We can think, you seem to preach this on Sundays. I hear you saying this, but at home, what I see doesn't always add up. We'd love to answer questions if you have things around those later on. Being in a pastor's family, it kind of can come with unhelpful assumptions. People... You can feel known but unknown. You think people know about me, but they don't really know me. They know me by proxy. They know me through someone else. They don't really know me. Some of the assumptions are that maybe people assume you have a great relationship with God. They just assume that. Oh, well, you're a pastor's kid. You've got a great, great relationship with God. Or they might assume that you have a great relationship with your family. And actually, you might find that very difficult. People can assume that you love church. People assume you have great faith and that you have great Bible understanding. When the truth could be that, yeah, you might actually have better Bible knowledge than many of your peers because you've been brought up with good Bible teaching. But it doesn't necessarily mean you know exactly and clearly what you believe about the Bible. And lastly, people can assume that you're a leader. Because your parents are leaders, one of your parents is a leader... Oh, automatically that means you're a leader. And again, one of the difficult things about this one is it is a difficulty because it's hard not to adopt that expectation on yourself. Well, my parents are so I automatically must be an example. I must be a leader. We're a leadership household. And you can adopt that upon yourself. 
These expectations can come from your parents as well. They can, they can be expectations you put on yourself. And one of the difficulties that some, is that these assumptions may actually be well-founded. They may actually be quite positive and encouraging. People could, could be uh, having these assumptions of you in a complimentary way, in a loving way. I've got uh, friends who are in leadership, and actually I love their children because I love them. And I want the best for their children. And I want to help their children stand in what God's got for them and their giftings. And that's not wrong of me to want that. I love these children. And sometimes we, we've had to go through that as well. We think these guys, some, this, my, my parents' friend seems to have an affection for me that I don't really get where it comes from. Sometimes that's a blessing. Sometimes I feel this strange pressure that I'm not quite sure how to navigate. Some of the difficulties with expectations for anyone in a family with strong Christian parents is the expectation you put on yourself that I need to be a Christian the same way that my dad is a Christian. Or I need to be the same kind of Christian as my mum. And if I don't hit that mark, then I'm failing. I'm going to just help you with that today, that, that God's called us to run in our lane, as it were, to run our own race. And that, yes, we, we, want to, we may think, I love my parents, they're all heroes of mine. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have the same giftings or the same calling on your life. And so we don't want to put that pressure on ourselves as well to think I'm failing if I'm not expressing my Christianity, my faith in Jesus, my relationship with Jesus exactly the same way as my mum does or my dad does. And lastly, I think one of the unfair expectations people can have can be particularly difficult when... When you're being taught grace, we're in a family of churches that love the doctrine, the teaching of grace, that God has given us what we don't deserve. God has loved us with a love that we, we haven't uh, deserved. We haven't won ourselves, but he has poured out on us. And it can be difficult when we're being taught that, but we're not receiving that. That can be very hard and very confusing to think, everywhere I hear, grace, 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 but people seem to really be quite judgmental of my behavior. They seem to not really give me much space. That can be quite a confusing thing for any Christian growing up in a Christian household or any young Christian. We love grace, but we don't seem to receive it. We don't seem to pass it to each other sometimes. On the other hand, there are fantastic benefits of being in a leader's home that are just amazing. A few practical ones is that, as I just said, really, people that you barely know can have a real affection for you. You know that, where people come into your home and they just they seem to love you. Or you're walking through church and people take note of you. And sometimes that's a pressurizing thing and you think, I don't love that. But most of, all, most of the time, we need to be grateful for that. There are people that really love you. Not for anything you've done, but just because they love and have affection for your parents. That's something that can be a blessing to us. We don't need to reject that. We can be grateful for that. Another thing, a practical thing, might be that your parents are actually if they're full-time in, in church work, they may be more flexible with their hours than many parents are. They probably don't have a strict nine-to-five. They don't do shift work. You may be able to see them at different times when other kids can't see their parents. That can be a real blessing, a real benefit. Another thing, much more important, is that you would have grown up with at least some knowledge and understanding of the Bible. In your household, there would have been some, some direction given by the Bible. That is just such an important blessing for us. It's such a huge thing for us to acknowledge and be grateful for. And going with that is, is you would have been parented, at least in part to the best of their abilities, by parents who are trying to do things God's way. That is a massive, massive blessing that we shouldn't overlook. To have 
what we would call a, a, a biblical worldview is a huge thing that you just take it for granted that, that you believe in a God who created the world. When there are many in the world who don't know that to be true at all, they're questioning it. And just the fact that you know that to be true answers so many questions for you. It makes things so much clearer for you when other people are just trying to figure out so much. It, what is the meaning of everything? Well, I know there's a creator God. I know that there was a fall of mankind, that there's such a thing as sin. That is hugely helpful to know. There, is a, there was a fall and there is sin. There are, there are counsellors who have been practising for, for decades who won't acknowledge there's such a thing as sin. And they're trying to help people get out of their terrible behaviour and their terrible shame and guilt. But they don't know. They won't acknowledge there's such a thing as sin. You can say, well, I know. I just take it for granted. I understand there's such a thing as sin. And much more than that, there's such a thing as forgiveness, salvation in Jesus and redemption. And we just take this for granted. Oh, yeah, I've known that all my life. These things are so helpful for us to understand. I can put categories in things in life and understand the way that the world works in ways that other people just haven't got a clue. So, guys, you really need to take hold of those things and think, I need to hold on tightly to those and not think, well, this is what my parents say, but there are loads of other options out there. You need to think, no, this is something I hold on to dearly. The worldview that my parents have given me, that, that also is an eternal worldview, that I know... I'm just, a, I'm just a citizen of heaven, actually. If I'm in Christ, I'm just passing through this world. That is an incredibly blessed thing to know. You're not thinking, I've got to get everything I can in this life. I've got to, I've got to get as much money as I can. I've got to make a name for myself. No, actually, I know I'm, I'm passing through this world. And these are things that we've been taught from like a young age, most of us. And sometimes we say, oh, yeah, that, I just take that for granted. And actually, I'm a bit embarrassed of it if other people ask me. Well, if you own these things, things are so much clearer for you than they would be for many around us. These are such blessings. Okay, I'm going to ask you to just turn to the person next to you and, uh, and say what you found. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, that sounded true. That's what my experience has been. Uh, you've got about 30 seconds to do that. Just chat to each other and say, yeah, some of the things in there that I heard. Or maybe I didn't get what he was talking about at all. But just chat with each other for 30 seconds. Okay. Okay, so hopefully you're thinking, yeah, this sounds familiar to me. I've had some of this experience. And... Uh, and you can see some of the painfulness of it, some of the difficulties, and some of the real blessings and benefits. So I'm going to ask you, which kind of leader's kid are you? I'm going to, going to give you a few titles and explanations for these titles. And, and this is just some stuff that came off the top of my head. So don't take it too much to heart. But just to think, what kind of leader's kid am I? Maybe you can think, yeah, I've been all of these. In fact, I'm going to read a number of them. And I think I've experienced being this leader's kid each of these ones, and um, maybe you can think, yeah, I've been that lately, but uh, right now, this is where I am. Maybe you are the contented leader's kid. You love being your parent's child. You've got no particular hang-ups or baggage about it. You're grateful to God for where he has placed you. Would you say that's where you are right now? Perhaps you're the, the, the leader's kid who you'd say, I'm part of the team. Are you the member of the team? Your parents bring you along. They ask your opinion. And you know we are on mission together as a family. Is that your experience? Perhaps you're the envisioned pastor's kid. Your worldview is rooted in the Bible. You've got strong convictions. But if you're honest, sometimes you know your relationship 
with your mum and dad is quite lacking. You're very con- you have strong convictions, but you wished you had more of a relationship with your parents. Is that you? Perhaps you're the bitter leader's kid. You hate stuff being forced on you. And you hate it that your parents are shared with hundreds or maybe tens of strangers. And you have to share them. Perhaps you're the lonely pastor's kid. You don't really know where you fit in because your family seem to live in a different dimension to your mates. Perhaps you you feel like you're the neglected pastor's kid. Your parents seem too busy with church and you don't really know what to do about it. And maybe you think, I'm all of these ones or I have been all of these. Perhaps you're the self-righteous pastor's kid. You know church inside out and you can even correct other people. But if you're honest, you're not really sure if you know Jesus. Perhaps you're the rebel. You're lonely, confused, bitter, neglected and angry and you thought, right, stuff this, I'll do my own thing. I'll go my own way. Perhaps you're confused. You keep asking yourself this question, is this my faith or is this my parents' faith? Perhaps you're the disillusioned or hurt pastor's kid. Your parents don't seem to practice what they preach and they may have even wounded you or hurt you. Maybe you're the overwhelmed pastor's kid. You think, I can't do this. I don't measure up. I shouldn't really, I don't fit in this family. I don't measure up to what I'm supposed to be. Maybe you're the pastor's kid. Your parents are your heroes. You love them. You're sold out to what they do. They are your heroes, but they're also your ceiling. You think, as long as I can emulate what they do, as long as I can replicate what they do, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have made it. And you haven't actually realized that you've made them your ceiling. Perhaps you're what I call the pawn, like the chess piece that is just moved around the board and kind of disposable. You, you feel like you're a bit of an extra in your parents' story, if you're honest. You're carried along. Maybe even you've moved town or moved country, but your life doesn't really seem to be taken into consideration. Or perhaps you're the sheep. You go with the flow, but you struggle to know the difference between saying what you're supposed to say and and, and what you actually believe. I know what I'm supposed to say here. I know what I'm supposed to say there. I know how to get that youth leader to to nod at me or smile at me, but I'm still not really clear what's the difference between doing that and what I actually am putting my weight on. And finally, perhaps you're a bit of an arrogant Pharisee. You know, you know a lot about God, but you're not really softened by him. You enjoy your reputation for knowing stuff about God more than you enjoy knowing him. And I've probably been through all of those. And I just wonder, out of those things, and this is maybe a bit more vulnerable now, but again, with those around you, just, just say what you think your experience maybe is right now. Where are you right now? Are you content? Are you feeling a little bit neglected? Are you feeling like you're part of the team? Just chat to the people next to you and say what, maybe what your experience is right now or perhaps what it's been lately and you feel like something's shifting. I'll give you 30 seconds again to chat to those around you about that one. Okay. Okay. And again, particularly if you just know, actually, I find where I am right now as quite painful. I'm not sure who to talk to about it. 
then we would love to pray for you afterwards at the end. We'd love to serve you any way we can. We've done this seminar before in years gone by, and I, I've heard that people um, met together in this group and started WhatsApp groups and have even been in, uh, in conversation since then. And that sort of thing such a blessing, just to know there are others around that, that have some of the same experience as you. You can support each other. We'd love to support you today. Well, I, I was looking at what to talk to you guys about today, and as I looked at it, I had like three hours worth of content. So uh, I'm not going to do that. But what I've also found during this week, which has really encouraged me, is that every, every message I seem to hear in a seminar or in a main meeting, I think, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. So I think everyone else has covered it, which is really great. I loved what Lou was saying on Monday night, was it? Just saying that, that actually there's other ways we can try and get access to God, other ways we can try and impress God, and parents can be one of those. We can think, well, surely I'm in this family, and, and I get access to God through that. And we've got to be careful about... Uh, recognizing there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. And we rob ourselves of relationship with Jesus when we think, I can somehow get uh, access to God through, uh, through my parents. And I loved what, what TJ was saying on the Tuesday about uh, who decides your identity. Who decides your identity when you, when you feel like, I'm a failure, or I don't add up, I'm not enough. Some of those things we talked about just now. And, and recognizing, well, actually, who has the final say? Who has the final say? The Bible says clearly in Romans 8, it's God who justifies. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. And so we've got to be strong and standing in, okay, I may feel this way. I may feel other parents looking at me and saying, look at that kid. They should be doing better than that. And I might have to hold on to, it's God who justifies. I listen to him. He has the loudest voice in my head. His, he has the final say. I, loved, I, hate, I came into here. How many of you heard TJ and Femi in here when they did their seminar? Just a handful of you. Oh, man, you guys have got to listen to that. They talked about the two sons, the rebel and the self-righteous, the, the prodigal son. They were just so helpful in saying both of their stories had been, one of them was kind of like the rebel and one of them was the, the self-righteous one. They just had to come to grips with uh, understanding. We're all invited to the party I love that one of the things I noticed about this, the prodigal son story is that he left home to find party, didn't he? He went on in search of life in abundance, in search of party. And in the end, he came to the end of himself and realized it was at home where the party was. He goes back home and finds the ring on his finger, the feast. That's where the party is. And it's important that we as, as, as uh, pastors' children... We, we don't stray into the rebel thinking that's where we'll find life. And we don't also try and please everyone and think that's, that, will, that will please God as well. That will give me life. We find life in his welcome. And this morning, how many of you heard Andrew Wilson this morning? Oh man, that was powerful. If you didn't hear that, hear that online, that was so, so helpful. Again, I was going to spend the most of my time this morning on talking about Isaiah. When Isaiah, see there's two guys in the Bible, perhaps a bit like us, there's many I'm sure, that... that they knew Jesus, or they knew God, but when they saw him, they were flawed. And Isaiah was one who, who knew God. He was, a, he was known as a righteous man. He was, a, he was one who other people would have thought about him. He's a godly man. But in Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees God, and it says, he said, woe is me. I'm done for before this God. And so, and the same as the other person I was thinking of was John, where John is this guy who, who walked with Jesus and laid his head on Jesus. He was buddies with Jesus. And you may think, I've known Jesus all my life. I get it. 
You know, I get it more than most people. And John would have thought, I get it, I'm in the inner circle. But then in Revelation 1, John sees, God, sees Jesus and it, he falls down on his face as if he's dead. He's absolutely overwhelmed by Jesus. And we, I wanted to talk about how we, we can't get our identity from looking within or looking to the sides, but we must look up and, and see God standing with us. We must be aware of who, if we want to learn who we are, we've got to understand who God is. And so if you find yourself familiar with God, you've got to get into those passages where you think, wow, you're, I'm in awe of God. He is in control. I'm just going to welcome these guys up in a moment. But one of the struggles for us is, it can be that it's hard to separate Jesus from being your dad's boss. Jesus and God is something about, it's like homework. It's like work. You think, yeah, I've got used to this. I'm not amazed by him. He doesn't blow my socks off. He's always been around and I, and I know him. But the problem that most of the experiences that I've been talking about this morning reveal is that they focus on us and our experience. They focus on, on, on us. What's my experience been like? Is it fair? Is it not fair? Am I getting what I want? Rather than looking up and, and focusing on God and his rule and his reign. If you're reacting to the pressures of what you think you're supposed to be, your thoughts are not being shaped by the love and the grace of God. If you're just thinking, what is my role here? What am I supposed to be? And you're reacting to the pressures like that. You're not, re- you're not actually being shaped by the love of God. The grace of God, the person and the wonder of who God is. And so it's so important for us that we, we don't get stuck in our experience. But we, as, as again TJ was saying, that we, we listen to the truth. Let him decide what the truth is. Let him decide who we are. Look to him and understand who we are. But I'm going to welcome these guys up. Because we're going to give them an opportunity to just introduce themselves. Tell a little bit of their story. I've asked them if they would say uh, one thing that has been a, maybe a struggle for them or, or part of their story. And then we can um, uh, have some Q&A as well. Hello. This one's on. Hello everyone. Um, so my name's Yasmin, and I, well, my dad led a church for many years in Catford, um, in London, and then he went and led a church in Brixton. Um, and I think for me, as Tim has asked for us to share, I think hearing him talk about all those struggles just actually it put me back to, <laughs> to my teenage years, where I think. I really struggled with having an, an authentic faith, which can lead to all kind of things like leading a double life. Um, I think probably pastors' kids struggle with that more than most because, as Tim spoke about, we're in the spotlight and we don't want to shame our parents as well as ourselves. So then it leads us to trying to fit in and seek approval and try and kind of look at seeing what the world has to offer as well as being able to go to church and say the exact right things to make you flee to go yeah yeah that's right and so I think I struggled with that um particularly when my dad moved to to lead a church in Brixton because I had lots of friends my age in Catford it was a big church and suddenly I went from that to nothing and so it just became hard work church <laughs> it was like not fun anymore and actually that was good though experiencing that uh grafting and kind of that uh, taking away my comfort blanket made me realize, oh, actually, this faith needs to be my own. And I can't 
I can lie to my parents, I can lie to my youth leaders, I can even to some extent lie to myself, but I couldn't lie to God anymore about where my heart was at, about, yeah, what my motivations were for doing things, because it's really easy to get that mixed up. Um, and so I think for me it was just being real, and I, I think that would be my encouragement, would be to just have a really authentic kind of faith, to make sure that you're really looking at your heart, to not be worried about the, the potential shame and... Uh, everything like that that you that you might have from your parents but to just be really open because I think that's when God breaks in um, when times are hard when you're honest that's when you experience his his grace as we we're saying and, and you can really look up to him and and learn him for, for yourself so I think that's me great that's Yaz this is Susie hi I'm Susie um, I'm 19 so I appreciate that I'm probably quite a similar age to many of you so in a way I kind of feel like a lot of the stuff I've kind of maybe been processing recently or even walking through. So I've had my first year away from home this year. Um, and actually, even that has given me... So my dad leads church. He's led a church my whole life. Um, and even moving away has given me perspective of actually of the blessings of being in a, in a family that loves and serves God. Um, and actually the legacy of my family and how they just pray for me. And have, I've seen God's faithfulness because of that. But... Um, Personally, my story, when I was 13, um, I developed anorexia, so I would say that I'm quite a disciplined person and um, whatever, but I started to struggle with mental health, and God has been really restorative in my story with that, but mental health really, really affects your family, and I think when you're in a family that's kind of in the light, in the spotlight, um, I felt like a lot of shame, like I'd brought a lot of shame on my family, Um, and I think just processing all of that... Um, uh, with a dad who is, he's in recent years taken on um, leading the UK sphere sphere of advance. You know, I don't know if you know about spheres, but um, I think feeling shame and learning how to walk that through. Um, I think one of my favorite verses, and God's been so faithful in my life, but it's from 1 Peter 5, 10, and it says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I think... Um, I think the thing that's helped me through that actually has been um, that it's really good for people in the church to see that leaders' kids aren't perfect, that we are just people and we all struggle, um, but actually that God is weaving a story of redemption throughout history and he's doing that through our personal stories and through our family stories as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's me. Cool. Fantastic. This is Johan. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Johan. And in case you think speaking with an Indian accent is my party trick... It is not. I grew up in India and moved to England about 10 years ago now. So that's why I speak with my still Indian accent. Um, so I grew up in a, in a church pastor's home. And when I was in my early teens, I discovered drugs and friends. And that quickly took me away from church. So unlike you fantastic people who've chosen to be at New Day, I chose to get high in my teenage years. Um, yeah, and then quite ironically, <laughs> whilst my dad was preaching, I was convicted uh, about who God is and, and came back to him because really it was not so much that his preaching was bo- was boring, but it was his preaching which le- made me leave church because I just never really enjoyed church or reading the Bible or prayer. Um, so, so then, yeah, when he preached a few years later and I was in my early 20s, uh, I was suddenly struck by how incredible Jesus is and made a series of decisions to, to turn my life around. Um, and I'm in my mid-30s now, and I have three, three kids. So I, maybe what I'm about to share may not relate to a lot of you, but 
having kids changes your perspective on growing up in, in a pastor's home. Uh, and I remember observing things that my parents did and thinking I would never do that as a dad. And I'm like, I so wish I could do that mm. as a dad because my, my parents prayed. They forgave me a lot. They loved mm. me. They were just so good. Uh, they never really lost their temper around me. And I'm like, yeah. And I, now I, I wish I could, um, I could be as good a parent as my, as my parents were, were to me. But something that has really helped me as a parent, which I'll, t- I'll tell you why I should apply, uh, will help you in, in applying what I'm about to say, is I, I feel pressure to, to bring my kids up in, in the ways of God. Uh, and I feel like I need to live a good life for them. I need to regularly pray for them. I need to read the Bible more often with them and, and just be a, a, a good dad. And that's quite a, a big pressure if you have a dad and if you love your kids. Um, and, and then somebody shared with me, they were like, you've got to remember that you don't stand in the gap between your children and God. Jesus does. Uh, and that was just massive for me. It's like, I, I don't have to be their savior. I don't have to be the one that leads them to God. That's, that's what Jesus does. If I could do that, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't need Jesus. So that was huge for me, just took all that pressure off me. But it's, it's made me realize that my parents didn't stand in the gap between me and God. Jesus did that. So... Um, as important as, as parents are, it re- Jesus is the one who saves you. Jesus mm. is the one who, who wants a relationship with you. Jesus is the one who wants to bless you, who pours out his spirit on you. Mm. Uh, and your parents are, yes, they're, they're really important. And there's huge blessing that comes with, um, with growing up in a, in a pastor's home, as my friend Susie has shared. But, but really, it's about who Jesus is. And Jesus wants a relationship with you. So, mm. yeah, so Jesus stands in the gap between you and the Father. Thank you, guys. There was one thing that I that I found to be a difficulty is that question of is this my faith or is this my parents' faith? That thing of if I was born into a Muslim family, wouldn't I be a Muslim? And uh, those sorts of questions, they seem, to, they seem to stick with me a little bit growing up. And I just wanted to talk, uh, answer that one a little bit because um, that could be a question that you're going through at times as well. And, and in 2 Timothy one Paul says to Timothy I'm reminded of your sincere faith so your authentic faith your own faith it's yours a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I'm sure dwells in you as well so that notion of thinking I if something was my parents first it can't authentically be mine I just want to underline, that's a lie. That's not true. The Bible's very clear. In fact, the Bible says, as kind of Johan has alluded to, that children, uh, bring your children, sorry, parents, bring your children up in the faith. It says in Proverbs, bring your children up in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Proverbs is quite clear all the way through. Listen to your father. Listen to your parents' advice. It's one of the um, Ten Commandments is to, is to honor your parents, to obey your parents. In Ephesians 6, it talks about children, honor and obey your parents. And Deuteronomy, it talks about uh, uh, writing the, the things of God over the doorposts of your household. Teach your children in the way uh, of the ways of God. And so actually that notion that, well, if it was my parents, is it really mine? It's just a lie. It's just a distraction. It's quite clear. As I've just read, Paul says to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. The integrity of your faith. I'm reminded of it. And then he goes on to say, it was your grandmother's. And then it was your mother's. And now it's yours. So if you think, well, I'm not sure it's mine or not. I just encourage you, choose. 
Choose Jesus. Own it. Say, yeah, it is mine. It's going to be mine. I'm going to walk in the ways of Jesus. I don't have to be a victim here. I don't have to be uh, passive in this. I can choose Jesus in faith. I can say, yeah, he will be my God as well. I'm going to follow my parents and I'm going to follow Jesus. So I just wanted to say that because that was, I asked these guys to talk about something. I forgot to say mine before I said I welcome them. I want to open the, you, the floor up to just, uh, why don't you come over here? This is Femi. Femi. That's fine. Femi had basketball to play, so we know where his priorities lie. Femi, thanks for joining us, man. So I don't know, I, mean, I, I haven't really, um, I'm just dropping you in right at the deep end here. You want to just tell us who you are and a little bit of your story of, if you can think of anything off the top of your head, growing up in a, a pastor's household, what that was like for you, and then we'll, then we'll ask for questions. Cool. So, yeah, my name is Femi Colioso, and uh, my dad is Toppy Colioso. If you were at New Day last year, he preached, like, I, pre- I think he preached, like, the last two years. And, yeah, so a little bit about my story. I actually wasn't born a pastor's son. I became a pastor's son my dad started leading the church when I was about 10 or 11 years old and initially I didn't really notice anything of a difference about it but then it did start I did start to notice a difference when the church started to grow quite a lot I think when he started to pastor the church it was probably about you know 60 or 70 it was we all knew everyone everyone knew everyone kind of church and then now the church is like quite a sizable church so yeah, that's I guess when I kind of started to notice the difference. So I would say it really, I guess not affected me, but I noticed it the most in my secondary school years, being a pastor's son, if you like. Yeah. And I was just saying to these guys, I heard your seminar the other day when you were saying with your brother that you were both kind of examples of the two brothers. Uh, can you tell us a tiny bit about that? Yeah, so um, being like I'm the older son and my brother... I was the trickier son, if you like. I was the son that needed slightly more grace. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, which is super awkward. Anyone here, like, children of leaders in the church? Anyone? So you know how awkward it is when you get in trouble at youth group and then your dad has to kind of meet your youth leader and it's all really awkward, even worse if your mum is the youth leader as well. So, yeah, just a family meeting about what you've just done at church. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about it. And so I was experiencing the, the discipline, if you like, from my parents. But then they also had to step away from certain things so that I could find a relationship with Christ myself, which New Day really helped with because my parents made a big effort to leave me alone when I was at New Day. Uh, my mum was the youth leader. Some of, your, some of you are sitting here thinking, I wish my parents just left me alone at New Day. <laughs> But yeah, my mum used to leave me alone quite a lot and that's kind of gave me the space to really find Christ myself. That's great, thank you. So I wonder if you have any questions that uh, come to mind immediately and if you have, put your hand up and yes. Uh, if you're up for it, yeah, that'd be good to get it. I could repeat it, but if you... Cool, so... um. I think, I mean, it's mainly targeted to you two a little bit. Um, no offence, girls. Um, but basically, I, I often find myself thinking, I mean, it's mainly out of curiosity, really. Um, I find myself 
Well, I've been, I've been studying a bit of psychology recently, and I've um, I think there was a study I found that sons normally get on better with their mums, and daughters get better on get on better with their uh, dads. And for me, that I felt that that's been a been the situation as well. I was just curious if that was the case for you guys, really. Um, so for myself. My parents are quite different uh, and I think I've always gravitated to the different parent for what I kind of prefer from each one. My mum understood my schooling system a lot better than my dad. So when there was an issue at school, my mum just got it a lot easier than my dad. But then growing into adult life where we're dealing with, and you know, I crashed a car by mistake or you know, I've got another parking fine or I need this help with the rent or whatever. I found that my dad has been kind of easier for me to speak with on that basis. And I think with TJ as well, my younger brother, we tend to swap over which parent for which issue. So when TJ was preparing his New Day preach, I think he was talking to dad about that a lot. But then if there's a problem with like a relationship issue, mum seems to get that a bit better. So for us, it's always been particularly balanced which i think is healthy yeah i think that's the, the difference in relationship is key so my parents live they still live in india so so sometimes if i just want to to engage with my parents i speak to my mom because she just talks and i don't have to it to talk back i can just listen so it's just nice to like listen to your mom's voice and just you feel like you're you, you're in their lives well having to have a full-on conversation um but with my dad, it's more if I need help with a big decision in life. I mean, I would still speak to my mom, so I don't want to create too much of a disparity between the two of them. But I think there's there's something about sons and fathers mm. and sons and mothers, and there's a bit of a different dynamic in that relationship. Mm. I suppose it's quite a difficult one to answer because it's different for every individual, and also what we could think of. Um, getting on with your parents in lot you could define that in different ways couldn't you do i get what i want from my parents is one thing but then do i get what i need from them is another thing especially when they're answerable to god for how they 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 parent us they may give us stuff that we need that we didn't particularly want in that moment um so yeah it's, but i mean it's great to th- be thinking that stuff through as well uh, as a parent myself can i ask any other questions for any other questions yes Um, so my husband needs a church. We've got three kids. Um, can you give us some things that your parents did with you to form relationship and deliberately spend time and invest time with you? How did they cope with pastoring so many people and people taking chunks out of their time and their emotional energy? And how did you get what you needed from your mum and dad? How did they anticipate that? How did you make yourself known when they were unable to thing like that um one thing i'd say that is really important is is learn to switch off pastor mode when you're talking to your children it's it's easily done and sometimes my parents accidentally do it and deal with a a brother and brother issue as if it was like a church issue but i think if you can tie in reading the word with them and praying with them 
tie that into the fun moments when you're really being their parents, like when you've just had a big play after dinner or you've just watched a film together as a family and try and attach those biblical growing moments with those moments, it'll be easier to be parents rather than pastor mode. If you kind of address Bible reading and praying straight out of a church meeting, you're kind of likely to talk to them or approach it more like they're part of the congregation. So I know for, for uh, my dad would often, if he was driving us away to have a day out, like, you know, let's go Legoland or whatever, we used to have a game where he would play on the car speakers, he would play a part of the Bible, the audio Bible, and the first person to say what part of the Bible it was got a prize. But I didn't really, it's only when I think back to that now, he was playing like Philippians 4 to us. And I was just like, so I was just waiting for like one of the 413s coming up. I think this is Philippians, I think. And then you hit, you can do all things. Philippians! Do you know what I mean? And so I think like, if you can approach biblical and praying and that walking with your children in that way and tie it into the fun moments, pray with them after taking them to football or pray with them after telling them off. And in a super parenting moment, I think I got a lot from that. I didn't get this right, and I don't think my parents got this right, but um, I think it's just having a lot of grace for them because, yes, my parents are irreplaceable, but there's there's crisis moments which my parents were fixing in people's lives, and sometimes they were matters of life and death, and it's hard, but I feel like I, I had a great relationship with my parents, I can say that, but there were times when we were on holiday and my dad had answered the phone, and I was like, are you kidding me? But when I look back, I see the lives that they have impacted. Um, so even even uh, to- Toppy, I was going through a really hard time, and Toppy just brought something that sorted my life out. And I guess thank you to Femi for releasing his dad to be a pastor, to to fix people's lives. And yeah. there's also the you know people say God, family, church, and they kind of create this hierarchy. My parents didn't do that. It all just kind of blended into one. So church was family. Jesus was very much at the center. Uh, and so understanding that when they were pastoring the church they were pastoring our family it's so much easier said than done but really that for me is the reality now um i think life is busy so being intentional i really appreciated it so i'm one of four girls um and my dad would take us out on daddy dates um which happened once a week but because there's four of us i would get to go out once a month but i knew that the time was coming and my dad would spend time with me and he'd teach me about God but we'd have fun it's the intertwining both of those things so I think yeah as a child just appreciated like that they are making space for me to voice how I'm feeling and um, for allowing me to grow yeah I, I have to honor my parents as well um, my dad was the same he used to take us out one-to-ones spend quality time um, and also it's interesting about your question about how we're talking about relating to our parents differently because I noticed something that's what my dad and my mom did really well. They parented us differently because we're different people. They didn't just assume that because I'm the eldest of, th- of three, three girls. Because Yasmin uh, struggled with this or Yasmin was like this. It'd be the same for the rest of them. Actually, they really just got to know us as individuals and parented us how best in the ways of, of the Lord as well. Like, absolutely. Um, and it was just great to have such a great example at home as well that you saw what um like Tim said at the beginning what my dad was preaching on stage I could vouch for and some of you may have that some of you might not and I think it's a it's a blessing if you if you can have that and you can vouch for that yeah 
I, I would just add as well, um, make work on your marriage. Keep working on your marriage because I think if you're married, well, if you, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that you're. I love knowing that the security of being in a home where the marriage was strong. Um, that that is so helpful for the kids. Uh, we live in more and more of a time where children are becoming the center of the household. But I knew my parents love God more than they love me. And I knew my parents love each other more than they love me. And that was helpful to me. It might not have felt great all the time because I wanted them to love me more than they love God. But it helped me to know this is how it should be. Of course, I shouldn't be the center of the household, even though I want to. Because that's how I'm going to be naturally, sinfully. I want to be the center of everything. But no, from an early age, I'm learning, no, God is God. He's God in our household. He's God in my parents' marriage. He's God. And actually, they're going to love me well if they're loving each other first. They're going to love me well if they're loving God first. That's, that's something that I've picked up that I'm trying to carry on with my kids. Okay, a- any more? We, I mean, w- this technically time's run out, but I'm happy to go on if you are. Hello. Yes. I'll come to you. Um, I have no feeling in my leg. Wow. Um, That was embarrassing. Anyway, um, as a pastor's kid, I found that um, it's quite easy to start going through the motions. Like, I was at church and I realised that I knew how to sing the songs where everyone would see me and I would look like I'm worshipping. Or um, people would ask me questions and I would know the answer, but I wouldn't be able to say it with conviction. So I was wondering how you guys managed to stop yourselves from just going through the motions and how really to like find faith yourselves because it's really easy as a pastor's kid obviously as you do church all your life to just like copy your parents so yeah I wanted to know how not to do that can you come and get the microphone because my leg is still dead (laughs) and I do not want to fall over on my face (laughs) go for it Cool. Um, just before we kind of answer how not to do it, I actually think there's it's not necessarily the, the worst thing in the world to go through the motions. Um, I think as long as you're honest with yourself and the people around you that that's what you're doing, I don't think it's necessarily the, the worst thing in the world because sometimes that is what we do in life is we just go through the motions. And, and the desire to want to want is actually okay. It's a start. And so I wouldn't, I'd have grace for yourself in that, you know, I'm supposed to be entirely, absolutely sure of myself at all points when actually I don't, I don't think that's always the case. But it's, it's about cultivating that desire and being uh, honest with yourself. And Would you say that's like going with your convictions over your feelings? Exactly. I don't, I don't feel like it exactly. today, but I, my then, conviction yeah. is I love Jesus, so... And filling your head I'm with gonna that I'm going to behave truth. like that. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly, because... Uh, the worst thing you can do is rely on your feelings because we know, we probably want to know that they are all over the place all the time. But truth is truth. And even if you don't feel like it all the time, it's, it is truth. So just remember that. And I think as I got older and weirdly as I went through like trials and challenges, that is when my faith really grew because that's when I had to really put those truths in practice. Um, and so I think as you grow older and as you naturally like step away from your parents, then it kind of... Just go in that way if you, if, if you do that, yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree. I can't count the number of times I've prayed. I want to want you, Jesus. Like, I just don't. Like, sometimes it just grows cold, and I think that's natural. Um, but I think the more you spend time with Jesus, the more he can excite your heart. So it's starting in that place of saying, I want to want you, and coming before him and being like, I, I'm not feeling like I love you right now. This has gone a bit cold. This is my, more my parents' faith than my own. And as you sit with him and as you wrestle with him, he wants to come and delight you in himself. He wants to come and fill you with his spirit. Um, so I think, yeah. It's great, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say the opposite of what Yasmin said. I think just go, <laughs> sometimes go with feelings. Feelings is good. So I don't pray because I like praying. I pray because I enjoy spending time with God. So I think you've, you've got to find things that spark joy for you, um, just make you happy and make you excited about God. Because we all go through dry seasons. Even as you grow older, you kind of you feel like you're going through the motions. So for me, reading... Um, reading books about, but that's me, books about God. I, I, I enjoy old books about God. I really enjoy that. And I find that gets me excited about God and excited about Jesus. And then that, and, 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 and find those things regularly. Find rest regularly. I think just build in those rhythms into your life. I think just be selfish. Find things that, I, I'm probably saying all the wrong things, uh, and I won't be invited back to speak. Yeah, why but, did I invite Sorry. But, but I think just find things that you enjoy doing and that make you, grateful to God for this thing that he's blessed you with but even then Johan there's times where you know this will do me good but I don't really feel like reading right now but I know it will make me feel like going to God once I've read it so I'm sure there are times where you think I, I do this because it works for me yeah. so it's a bit of both in there I hear that but um, one thing I'd say to any pastors kids out there that because your parents lead the church, that doesn't automatically mean that you have accountability within the church. It's a different dynamic when it's your parents. One of the things that served me the best is I have a mentor that I'm accountable to within the church that isn't my dad, who won't snake me to my dad. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, And I think when you've got that, then those people can check on you regularly. Are you reading your Bible are you praying? Are you being invested? I, that was particularly useful to me when I went to university and my whole life was a whirlwind because for the first time I went to a church where my dad wasn't at the front and everything was a bit like, whoa, this is weird. Do you know what I mean? But I had, I had Pastor Dave, one of the pastors in my church that I was always kind of accountable to and that helped me not go through the motions because he would be the person that would check on me because it's a bit different when your mum says to you, you know are you reading your bible it can sound like have you washed the dishes do you know what i'm saying it's the same kind of as, oh, whatever do you know what i mean but like with pastor dave i was accountable in a different kind of way and sometimes he'll be like you know have you have you been investing in your time on with the lord at work and i'll be like you know i've been flopping he'll be like all right i'm gonna call you next week change it and fix it and that kind of has always helped me that's great. That's really helpful. And I think that puts a bit of onus on us guys. We've got to search out people because as we were saying earlier, one of the things is people can assume, well, you're the pastor's kid. Of course, you're being looked after in your faith, but they don't realize they could be part of that. You can say to older guys in the church, hey, can I meet with you? Can yeah. I? I'd, leave, I'd love someone to mentor or disciple me. And so there couldn't be a bit of onus on you there because it's a different dynamic, even though your parents could be amazing Bible teachers, to have someone outside of that dynamic walking with you could be life-changing for you i would actually say that my parent my dad hooked me he told me i want you to get mentored in the church go and find one and then i came back with one of my best mates and he said no (laughs) 
And then I found something. And he did. And my brother and I have different mentors and different people in the church that we look to. And if you have kids, I wouldn't even say it's ever too young a moment, especially if you're leading the church. Sometimes it might be their Sunday school teacher and you just gently say to them, if you ever have an issue, you should speak to your Sunday school teacher about it sometimes. Obviously, with your parents, you can talk to us about anything. But that would, I would, I would always advise that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, um, other questions? Going once. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I'll come to you. Thank you. I am... Um uh, I was a pastor's kid a long time ago, and um, I wasn't after a while. Um, I don't know if that's something you guys have been through, and potentially there might be people here who might have that happen, and if you had any advice for them about how to transition to not being um, a pastor's kid. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, I was an adult, um, so it was a different time, I guess. Um, but it is a different way to interact with the church, and um, yeah, I'd, yeah, something that your mindset, mind, like the way you process, has to change, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that comes back to the identity thing. I don't know if you guys heard this this story that you know the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. He found out a few years ago that his biological dad was not the man he thought he'd been. Uh, he thought he's not the man that he grew up with as his father and uh, it came up in the papers and, and it was great that he, he came up with let me read you a little bit of the, the newspaper article the, the archbishop had heard rumours about his paternity before but had dismissed them out of hand because he was born almost exactly nine months after his mother married Gavin Welby and had always thought he was a honeymoon baby he still refers to Welby who died in 1977 as my father having been brought up by him in what he describes as messy circumstances because of alcoholism. He released a statement last night in which he said, my own experience is typical of many people. To find that one's father is, an, is other than imagined is fairly frequent. To be the child of families with great difficulties in relationships with substance abuse or other matters is far too normal. Although there are elements of sadness and even tragedy in my father's case, this is a story of redemption and hope from a place of tumultuous difficulty and near despair in several lives. It is a testimony to the grace and power of Christ to liberate and redeem us, grace and power which is offered to every human being. And he finishes with this, I know that I find who I am in Jesus Christ, not in genetics, and my identity in him never changes. I think that's what we all need to hang on to. That whether your parents are in leadership or have been in leadership or are very well known, that you know ultimately my identity is in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, that means that my identity is who he says I am. And I hold on to that. And I'll keep holding on to that. And when little lies come or when big identity challenges come, I hold on to what does Jesus say? And that's where my righteousness is. That's where my identity comes from. Guys, thank you so much for coming. If you like us, if anything's come up today and you just think, I'd just love someone to pray for me about that, we'd really happily talk to you, pray for you. Otherwise, I uh, hope it was of some blessing to you, and, uh, and thank you for coming.